Hi. Glad y'all are here tonight. Yeah, you can clap. You can be excited that you're here. It's Tuesday. You're almost at the end of the semester. It's almost summer. You have a lot to clap about and be happy about. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Kelsey Willega. I'm the assistant director here at the Annex, and we're really happy that you're here. We even have uh, some senior friends that are here that live in Boulder, just checking out the Annex, checking out what college ministry is. Yeah, give them a round of applause. Keep clapping. Don't throw things at them, but you can clap for them and cheer for them. We only throw things at Stevie when he's on stage. <laughs> right. What? What? I don't know what any of you are saying. So, oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. I was the Iowa Park Hawks, so I don't get these references. Um, okay. Uh, before I had this job as the assistant director, um, I actually worked at this church. I was the middle school ministry intern. Um, and here's what I determined um, in working for, it's called Fishy, in working with middle school students, is that uh, no matter how hard I try, I don't understand middle school students. Like, tried for a full year to, like, try to understand who they are as humans, but I'm, like, pretty convinced that they're just a different breed of human. I, like, can never guess what their next action is going to be. Like, I don't know if I should, like, laugh with them. Like, should I be terrified? Like, are they going to injure themselves? Are they going to injure me? I just always sort of felt on edge around middle school students because I never knew what they were going to do next. And, you know, I stepped into the job, and I was like, I'm a 28-year old woman. They should treat me with respect and dignity, and they just didn't. And I ripped uh, not one but two pairs of jeans as a middle school intern because I was like deep lunging to like evade middle school boys from like mauling me to the ground. And so then I was like, okay, I need to change something. I can't keep ripping pairs of jeans. I pay good money for my jeans. Um, So I started wearing like stretchy and like athletic wear things. So I'm wearing like stretchy athletic wear things. And I'm like, okay, to accompany that, uh, I'll wear a baseball hat. I'm going to start wearing a baseball hat on Wednesday nights, and then inevitably the sixth grade boys would come up behind me, steal the hat, and then I might not see that hat for another hour or ever, or maybe it would come back ripped or like kind of like weirdly sticky. It's like, where did you find chocolate syrup? Like, I don't understand your life and the choices that you make. And so then I'm like, okay, athletic wear, stretchy clothes. I can't wear hats anymore because they're going to steal it. Something weird's going to happen to it. Okay, so I should probably shower now. I need to wash my hair. So my hair's down. It looks a lot like it does right now. And one night upon, like, literally, I just got there. I literally just showed up, and an eighth grade girl just smeared whipped cream in my hair. And I was like, like, not even a high how's your week? Just like a smear of whipped cream in my hair. Are you kidding me? So then I'm like, okay, stretchy clothes, athletic wear, no hat. Do I wash my hair? Do I not wash my hair? I can't wear a hat. If it's in a pony, are they going to pull it? Where? I can't, I cannot predict their actions and their movements. I do not understand these tiny little tornadoes that are like running and roaming around me. And no matter how hard I tried to understand who they were, And no matter how hard I wanted them so badly to act the way that I wanted them to, you know, treat me with respect and dignity. I'm a 28-year-old woman. You should not steal my hat. I wanted them to act a certain way, but the reality is they just were acting as who they are as people. I wanted them to act in a certain way, but they were just acting as who they are as people. I don't understand them. I, like, think we should, like, ship them off for a few years and, like, let their crazy run out for a few years, and then they can come back to high school and, like, be normal again, but that's my own theory. Anyway, I think that we, um, 
treat Jesus sometimes uh, in the same way that I view middle school students. I want them to act one way, but they act like in a completely different way. They act as who they are. And I think a lot of times we want Jesus to act in a certain way, but the reality is that he just acts as who he is. And when Jesus was here on this earth, um, I didn't count this, so don't think, oh my gosh, that's all she does for 40 hours every week? She just counts questions? Um, Someone smarter and with more time than we have uh, counted that Jesus, over the four accounts of the Gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, asked 307 questions, and he only answered three. He asked 307 questions, only answered three But why? I think that what Jesus wants us to understand is that he didn't come to give us this bulleted list of how we should live our life. He didn't give us seven-step program into how we should live our life. He asked these questions, and he didn't give a clear answer because he wanted us to think about it for ourselves, to figure out the answer for ourselves, to see from his life and from his teachings if it was something worth living. He wanted us to find the answer for ourselves if actually life in Jesus was worth it. If actually what God was trying to get across to us is worth it. He's trying to get us to think for ourselves and figure out for ourselves is this actually worth it? And he spoke in parables, he spoke in questions, and honestly, he was confusing the heck out of the disciples, confusing the heck out of the people around him. And oftentimes, I think that he confuses us. And it's because we don't always understand who he is or what he's about. So do we want... What's my question? So do you follow who you want Jesus to be? Or do you follow who Jesus actually is? I think that the question we should be asking ourselves and in him asking all these questions is, do we follow who we want Jesus to be? Or do we follow who he is. Let's pray, and then we're going to see what Mark has to say about it. Jesus, uh, thanks for tonight. Uh, Thanks that we get to be here. Thanks that we get to worship you, that we uh, get to laugh and play, and that we get to hear uh, your word. We get to hear you speak tonight. So, Lord, we love you, praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, So we're going to look at this text in Mark chapter 8, and as we go through this text, we're going to learn one of two things. Okay, either Jesus is obsessed with baked goods and he loves bread, or Jesus is trying to get his disciples and us to understand who he is and what he's about. So at the start of Mark chapter 8, it starts with Jesus is about to feed the 4,000. And some of you are like, Kelsey, you're like a thousand off. Jesus feeds the 5,000, not the 4,000. Jesus fed the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. Okay, so in Mark's recording, Jesus fed the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. Jesus took five loaves of bread, two fresh, broke them, distributed them among the people. Everyone ate, everyone was full, everyone was satisfied, and there were leftovers. So now we're in Mark chapter 8. There's this large crowd that's gathered. This large crowd has been with Jesus and the disciples for days, and they've run out of food. 
And Jesus has compassion on them, and Jesus is like, here's the deal. I can't send them to go home, because if they go home right now, they're going to pass out from being so hungry. I can't let that happen. And so he's like having this conversation with the disciples, and the disciples are like, I don't know. We're like really far from a store. I don't know where we're going to get this food. And it's, I'm thinking as I'm reading that, are you like literally not that long ago, Jesus just fed 5,000 people. And you guys, like you fools right now, are like thinking like, how are we going to feed these people? Anyway, okay, so Jesus is like, okay, like doesn't acknowledge their questioning, and he just asks this question. He's like, okay, what do we have? And they're like, we have seven loaves of bread. He's like, awesome, give it to me. So Jesus gives thanks for the bread, breaks it up, and they distribute it among the people. Then they find two fish, break the two fish, distribute among the people. Again, everyone is fed, everyone is full, everyone is satisfied, and there are leftovers. So now not once, but twice, the same number of pairs of jeans that I ripped last year, Jesus has fed a multitude of people with very little food, showing the disciples what he's capable of and part of what he can do. And so we get to this part in the story, and the disciples are with Jesus. They're in a boat with him. It says, I love the details. It says, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Okay, so it's the disciples, Jesus, one loaf of bread in the boat. And Jesus turns to them and says, Be careful, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And if I were a disciple right now, I would imagine that they're pretty confused. They're like, What? Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Herod. What are you talking about? So, what is Jesus talking about? Who in here has made bread from scratch? Like the whole thing, like yeast all the way to bread. Awesome. Okay, so yeast comes in these little tiny packets. You take this little tiny packet, and you put it in some water with some sugar, and then you knead it into the bread, okay? Bread without yeast is like super flat, like pita bread, non bread, flat bread. Uh, Okay, all right, flat bread, no yeast. Okay, yeast makes the bread rise and makes it really fluffy. So when you like open it up and like the steam comes out and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a cloud that I'm eating. It's like that's what the yeast does to the bread, okay? It affects the whole property of what the bread is. It makes it rise, gives it that fluffiness. So what Jesus is trying to say, he's like, here's the deal. These Pharisees, the religious leaders, Herod, these political leaders, they're not like super into who I am as a person, They're, like, not super into my teachings. Also, these guys, these religious leaders, these political leaders, Jesus is saying, is uh, they uh, don't really believe that I am who I say that I am. They don't really believe that I'm the Messiah. They don't really believe that I'm the one that's come to save the world. They don't really believe that I'm the Son of God. They don't really believe who I say I am and who I'm telling you guys that I am. So these guys, they're probably going to do anything necessary to stop me and to stop my ministry. And they're going to tell people that the things I'm saying aren't quite true. So what Jesus is trying to get across to these guys, these 12 guys, he's saying, watch out, be careful for the yeast, for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. He's saying one little thing could affect everything. One little thing could affect how it is that you see me, how it is that you view me, what it is that I'm teaching you right now. One little thing. 
So do you trust me? Do you believe that I am who I say that I am? Jesus is trying to say a lot in this one little instruction where he's saying, be careful, watch out for the yeast of that of the Pharisees and of Herod. Watch out because they're not super into me, but do you believe me? And do you trust that I am who I say that I am? And so the disciples, in all of their glory, they're still not understanding actually what Jesus is saying, which is fair. What he's saying, that is a loaded statement, what he just said. And some of us in here may even still feel confused, and that's fine. But uh, Jesus says this to them. And then they turn to one another and they're like, he's saying this because we have no bread. That's why he's saying this. Like they, they are not understanding what it is that Jesus is saying. And then Jesus goes into eight rapid fire questions. And Jesus says this, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts Pardon, do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? He's like, do you still not get it? I fed the 5,000, I fed the 4,000, both times. Everyone was full, satisfied, and there were leftovers. There is plenty for everyone. He's saying, do you not see how deeply I care for these people, the compassion that I have for everyone, the love that I have for everyone, and that there is enough of me to go around for everyone? This isn't just about bread. This is also about me. There is enough of me to go around for everyone. Do you still not understand who I am or what it is that I'm doing? And so then they continue on their journey, and y'all are going to be like, why is she brushing over this part? I'm literally just going to brush over this part. They continue on their journey, um, and Jesus heals a blind man. This man is blind. Jesus heals him. Now he is not blind. Just a really casual Tuesday for Jesus. Just on the road, heals a blind man, okay? So they're still on their journey, um, and Jesus turns to them, to the disciples, and he just says, hey, here's a question. Who do the people say that I am? Like, what are people saying about me? Who are the people saying that I am? And they respond, well, some say John the Baptist, Some say Elijah, and even still some say a prophet. He says, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, What about you guys? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ. Meaning, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the one that came to save us, to redeem us, and to make all things right. And at this point, we should be like, yes, Peter did it. He got the right answer. Yes, he's understanding, but he's still not quite there. And we'll see that in the following verses. Right after this, Jesus began to predict his own death, that he would suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And when Jesus said this, Peter literally took Jesus aside and rebuked him. Because the Messiah that Jesus just described himself to be was not the Messiah that Peter thought 
he should be. Do we follow who we want Jesus to be? Or do we follow who Jesus is? The Messiah that Jesus described himself to be was not the the Messiah that Peter was expecting. Peter was expecting this king, this ruler, one who had come to make all things right again in the world and would physically reign in this world and have power. But instead, the Messiah that Jesus is claiming to be is marked by his life, his death, and then his resurrection. Not a kingdom and a reign here on this earth. Jesus as the Messiah in the sense that he will defeat death, that he will defeat sin, and that he will give us full life if we choose to live life in him. Jesus' Messiah was way different than what Peter understood as Jesus being Messiah. Do we follow who we want Jesus to be, or do we follow who he is? The disciples were trying to figure out who Jesus was their whole time with him. And a lot of times they just kept missing it. But as they were missing it, Jesus was trying to make it as clear as possible who he was and what he was about. So how was he trying to make it clear and what was he trying to make clear? Jesus was and is looking for followers of his teachings and his way of life. What we see in the life of Jesus, especially in this chapter in Mark, is that Jesus cares deeply about others. He cares about the needs of of others, that they are provided for, that they would become well, that they would see, and that they would understand. Jesus often acts in ways that we don't think he will, but Jesus always acts in ways for the benefit of others. A lot like middle schoolers, we can't always predict him, but he acts as who he is, not as who we want him to be. So who do you say that Jesus is? Like, is Jesus just a Bible character that you grew up going to church, you grew up hearing about, and you know that, like, because of Jesus, we should love people and, like, be a kinder human? Do you just view Jesus as this, like, guy that you, like, give a nod to on a Tuesday night or Sunday morning or Thursday evening, but don't really acknowledge the rest of the week? Just like an acquaintance, like, hey, Jesus, I know you still exist. Thanks for all you do kind of deal, or does Jesus affect the entirety of your life? Do you say that you follow Jesus and that you believe who he says he is, but there's no actual fruit of that in your life, no evidence of Jesus in your life? Like, do you claim to know and follow Jesus, but your life looks a lot like the lives of those around you who don't claim or follow Jesus? And let's be honest, it is way easier to follow a Jesus as who we want him to be than who it is that he is. Because the Jesus that we want him to be is the Jesus that we can just nod to on a Tuesday or a Sunday, but not really acknowledge for the rest of the week. And we just like mostly try to not be a jerk to people. We like try to be kind and loving and gracious, but like truthfully, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't really acknowledge him more than just when we're in a service like this. But the harder way is to actually follow who Jesus is. And Jesus says this right after he rebukes, or right after Peter rebukes him. 
he says this to the, to the disciples and to the crowd that's around them. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. In other words, follow me even though it might not always make sense and even though it might not always feel easy. Follow me. I have come to save your life, to give you life to the full if you would choose to believe in me and live as I have instructed you to live. So do you follow who you want Jesus to be or do you follow who Jesus is? And in a lot of ways for us and for the disciples, Jesus is just really confusing. He doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes, but the thing that Jesus never asked us to do, Jesus never asked us to fully understand him. He never said, to follow me, you need to understand all of who I am. You need to understand everything about me. You need to understand everything to follow me. He never asked us to fully understand him. But what he did do is ask over 300 questions that were recorded, and he only answered three with words out of his mouth. He left the rest for others to answer, for us to answer. And when he even asked the question, do you still not understand? He's trying to get across to them. I don't need you to know everything, but don't you see who I am? Don't you see my heart? Don't you see my compassion? Don't you see the way that I care for others? Do you trust me? Do you believe in who I say that I am? And what I believe is that Jesus answers these questions in the ways that he taught, in the ways that he acted towards others, in the ways that he followed up on his big claims. He claimed a big thing that said he was going to die, be buried, and then raise again after three days, and then he did it. He had some big claims, and then he followed up on those claims. So who do you say that Jesus is? I think that our answer to that question lies in whether we follow who we want him to be or who he actually is. And truthfully, the only way we can know, like, our full answer to that question is by looking at the life of Jesus. We can't know about him unless we look at his life. We can't follow his teachings unless we know about his teachings. We can't act more like Jesus unless we know how he acted. We can't answer this question of who do you say that I am if we have no idea or no concept for who he might be, who he was for the disciples, and who he is for us today, now. We'll have no idea unless we look at his life. And looking at his life, there's four books, thankfully, that are exclusively about the life of Jesus. And if you want to make it easy, the book of John, it's 21 chapters. So that's one chapter a day for three weeks. That's great. You read a whole book of the Bible, three weeks, you're done. Or you could take weekends off. It could take a month. One chapter a day. But we can't know who Jesus was and how to become more like Jesus unless we look at his life. So do you follow who you want Jesus to be, 
or do you follow who Jesus is? I'm going to pray, and then I'll bring the worship team back up. Uh, Jesus, thanks for your life. Uh, Thanks for your teachings. Uh, Thanks that we uh, still to this day uh, get to learn from who you are. Uh, We are thankful uh, for uh, the remainder of this night uh, to get to worship you and praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.